Hi everyone, and welcome to Fine Vines and Wine. I'm your host, Karis Pixie, and each week I'll be giving you all an insight into the behind the scenes of our favourite beverage, wine. I'd love for you to use this podcast platform as a winery guide for your next weekend away, exploring everything Australia has to offer. You never know, you might discover a new spot or two to visit. I acknowledge the Cadigal and the Obakal peoples, traditional custodians of the land that we recorded today's podcast episode on. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. On today's episode of Fine Vines and Wine, I'm joined by Indea Passfield, Digital Marketing Specialist at Fourth Wave Wine, who looks after today's focus, the non-alcoholic brand Plus and Minus Wines. Thank you for joining me this morning. How is your week going? You're more than welcome. Good. It's um, it's lovely, actually. I can't believe it's March. I know, it's going past so quickly. Uh, they do say the older you get, the quicker it goes, and I'm, I'm starting to really believe that. <laughs> oh, my God, I know. Seriously, it's just flying by. I'm like, how are we already at, like, when COVID started a year ago? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Oh, absolutely. It's... um. It's one of those things and everyone's kind of got their fingers crossed for this year because I guess we have so much trepidation coming into it with so many things that happened last year. Yeah, it's what it's praying for oh a gosh. good, healthy year. Of oh my gosh, free. I know. COVID free, that would be amazing <laughs> and have events start up and everything like that would be great. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So today's episode is going to run a little differently than normal. Um, so you've sat down with the winemaker of a plus and minus and you'll be yes. answering some questions on behalf of them and then some questions yourself as well. What winemakers in there, um, it's vintage at the moment So for this year. So if we all want plus and minus wines, um, our winemaker is very busy at the moment. Let's jump into some questions. So I feel like some of these questions you can answer yourself and then also answer on behalf of him as well. How long have you been working in wine and how long have they been working in wine? So I've been working in wine in the digital space for about about eight months now. How long, how long have I been working in wine? Not so long, but how long have I been drinking and enjoying wine? Um, that's a different story. <laughs> I've been drinking wine for a while now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're best friends. No, I've been, uh, I have a passion and um, just a complete uh, respect for the wine industry and wine itself. And our winemaker has been making wine ever since he was quite young. So um, he's very experienced, a very extremely talented man. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you would have to be really talented in order to make something that you're taking the alcohol out of and having it still taste like alcohol at the end of the day. Because I feel like, I mean, when I try, I've tried plus and minus. And when I tried it, I literally thought it was exactly the same. It tasted exactly the same as any other alcoholic sparkling I've ever had. So I feel like, yes, you would have to definitely work around and improve everything in order to for that to happen. Absolutely. And when you think about it, like um, when wine is created, like it, it is, uh, I call him the grape alchemist. <laughs> um, there's such, it's such a process that goes into it. And it's a traditional kind of ritualistic thing. It's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. And then to come to a point where we're like, okay, so we're going to take everything we've created now and remove one of the um, biggest components of it, which is the alcohol, kind of turn the industry on its head. Oh my God, definitely. But I feel like non-alcoholic wine is having such a big moment at the moment. And I don't know whether, I feel like everyone in lockdown, they either 
drank a lot and bought <laughs> all of the wine or they went on a serious health kick and then bought all the non-alcoholic wine. So there's definitely two different types of people that came out of lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the people that are seesawing from one end of the scale <laughs> to the other. They're like, I love wine. This is great. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I need a break. The non-alcoholic space is, it's in service to everyone. It's, um, there's people that are choosing it for a lifestyle as a permanent way of life. And then there's people that just need some reprieve or are just looking for an alternative option to enjoy when they choose not to drink. Or even if you're pregnant or mm. you wouldn't believe the amount of people that have stepped forward and have had a health complications, some of these health complications down to cancer and brain tumors, like mm. life-changing things where they can't consume wine anymore. But like the rest of us, they share a passion for it and um, don't want to miss out. So it's servicing a diverse range of consumers. Yeah, no, definitely. Because when I was, um, I was on antibiotics at the beginning of January and we had some people over and I just went, oh, well, they're all drinking. So I'm going to want to drink. So I ordered a bottle and was like, now I feel like I'm involved. I feel like it's that fear of missing out or being left out. So that kind of yes. helps if you're pregnant or if you aren't drinking at the moment, you still feel like you're part of a party. Absolutely. It's, um, I think this year, especially like a growing trend in the um, wine and beverage industry is that inclusivity, like uh, being able to yeah, be a part of something. As humans, we naturally look for the essence of belonging and sharing wine and a beautiful meal and whatnot kind of ties that in. And when you feel like you can't share in a component of that, uh, like tradition in a way, it's like, oh, help. Yeah, so, um, yeah absolutely. No, definitely. Um, I'm going to skip forward a couple of questions just because we sort of touched on the process of making non-alcoholic wine. As much as you can say, how do you keep the taste but remove the alcoholic elements? And would you say that the process is longer or harder? for making alcoholic wine so basically there's a couple of different ways that you can do it one of those is like reverse osmosis where it's basically you're creating the wine you're doing it through the same process as what you would your alcohol wines for us we get it to that end point and then the alcohol portion of it is removed at the very end the best way i kind of see this is if you like you can imagine in your mind like a molecular structure Okay. And so like, so wine is this molecular structure, right? And it has all these components, just like cells in our body, um, like H2O, but you're just taking one part. So when it's finalized, you're just taking that one part out. It's very, I guess you could say like a fragile. You don't want to kind of impinge on like what's um, being created in terms of damaging the taste or the structure of what it is. So you kind of get it to the point where it is this beautiful creation and you just take out what you can right at the end. And um, it's like when you take a block out of a Jenga tower, you just like, yeah, you just take that block out and you just like, now stay. <laughs> now stay how you were and taste the same, please. Yes, absolutely. No, that's such an interesting process. I mean, I was never very good at chemistry at school. Um, I feel like because I'm getting more into wine, I need to get better at chemistry. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I feel like that's such an interesting process and they've really perfected it. Because I mean, a couple of years ago, I had non-alcoholic wine and I definitely don't think it tasted as good as the ones that I've tasted recently recently so yeah. I guess it's an ever-changing ever sort of you've got to play around with it quite a lot to figure out what actually works oh definitely and I can't begin to tell you how many alcohol-free wines we have tasted along the journey some yes 
some better than some others and um, look it, it, it is a difficult process and like you have to steer away from like um a lot of them may taste great but they just essentially taste like grape juice yeah wine is great so like yeah it's it's such a fine line like trying to get the experience of the tannin in your mouth and that um and the way the acidity will cut through a meal and whatnot mm. because as as much as you can enjoy wine I think there's also enjoying wine with a meal and what it actually does in your mouth with certain foods and yeah. certain elements so being able to marry a non-alcoholic wine to mimic that same food experience as wine does is kind of where we saw this gap where we were like okay like I want to sit at a table and still go wow that wine changes the taste of my eggplant parmigiana or changes the taste mm. of that penne pasta I've actually never thought about it like that I've never thought about not still pairing food with non-alcoholic wine and you're so right like you would want it to have that same taste and have that same sort of memory evoked so that's Absolutely. actually so interesting because I mean I did oh it would be like four years ago now I did eight weeks off alcohol and did a big detox just for health issues and everything like that and I remember at then I was looking for non-alcoholic and the only one I could find was Maggie Beer's non-alcoholic white and red and the white just tasted like elderflower cordial. I was like, this does not taste like wine in the slightest. It just tastes like I'm drinking really strong elderflower cordial. Like, So it's yes. so nice to see how far the industry has come. And we're still working on it. We're still progressing. We um, welcome feedback with arms wide open because essentially like we've tasted it so much now mm. that we're like, okay, like it's, it's to the audience. Like we want to hear what consumers have to say. If you hate it or if you don't like it or if you love it and you think it's great, mm-hmm. like let us know so we can um, continue to work on our recipes and how we put things together so we can continue to create that non-alcoholic wine experience in all different shapes and sizes. Mm, Well, the only one I've tried from plus and minus was the sparkling and I absolutely love the sparkling. So that one's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that placebo effect, I think we've spoken about it before, Mm. like the bubbles and you nearly can't believe it's not because you get the giggles you're like oh yes what's happening yeah and yeah you can't believe like we when I tried it it was on um my last podcast and we had the founder of craft zero come on yeah and he bought a bottle of the plus and minus and I think it was 10 a.m in the morning and I was like oh I feel a bit drunk like this is great but it's actually there's nothing in it it's just the whole placebo effect of the bottle opening and the pop and then yes the bubbles and it kind of has that same feeling absolutely and like um, I think a thing to remember is that when you have the bubbles like it oxygenates in your blood a bit quicker Mm. so like it gets things started it's the same kind of rush that happens when for soft drink drinkers or like the soda water like it's that bubble like thing happening in your mouth and then it just all trickles down and goes from there yeah no definitely Um, I'm going to skip to another question sorry I'm going completely out of order oh my god I'm Um, so used to this type of stuff just uh, go for it perfect I know things are just coming into my mind as we're talking I'm I'm so interested in non-alcoholic wine so what seems to be the most popular style talking about how I love the Blanc de Blanc there is definitely a lot of the range is growing in popularity as we kind of explore different varietals and trying to like create a more diverse range that complements like as I said before like different styles of food and different occasions the bubbles definitely especially like coming out of summer 
um, just took off, which like we ran out of stock in our own um, office. <laughs> so I went oh, to go wow. grab a, I went to go grab a bottle of the bubbles, and I'm like, hey, where's it gone? Like I was devastated. <laughs> but um, definitely the Blanc de Blancs is um quite popular. Um, and in the Reds, the Shiraz is actually quite popular. Um, for those people that are looking for a red alternative, um, okay. because it, the red I found has got that kind of acidic um, tanniny effect in your mm. mouth and I still question our winemaker and how he does that. I'm like, I just don't understand how you've got it to do this in my mouth. Because, I mean, a red wine or especially a Shiraz, it's quite like a heavy, bold flavour. So when, yes. to be able to, like, replicate that flavour with a non-alcoholic wine, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, um, look, like I'll be the first to say it, it's definitely not as heavy as a traditional Shiraz, but if we were to do that, we'd have to load it up with so much sugar that, it uh, would defeat the purpose. Like I do believe people that are looking into the non-alcoholic space are doing it for health. Well, if they're doing it for health and wellness purposes, they don't necessarily want to drink a glass of sugar. Exactly. A big thing for us is being able to find so much more healthy than the like a grape juice alternative or a soft drink alternative in terms of sugar um, intake. But obviously there has to be some sugar in the wine to allow it to have that body still. Yeah. Um, but trust me, we like I'm 100% down the line of no sugar. Like if we <laughs> minimal sugar, but um, maximum experience. If it's not as heavy as a Shiraz, what would you compare it to in terms of like heaviness with a red wine? I would probably it does. It's probably on point with a young Shiraz. Um, okay. Or like a lighter style option. So like you know when you go drink a wine that may be five percent or ten percent alcohol, it's on, on the same kind of plane with one of those out like okay. one of those Shirazes but I'm talking if like the traditional 13 15% big bodied Shiraz that when you um, give it a good swirl in your glass um, it coats your glass in that beautiful strong deep berry color um, it's not yeah. the same kind of thing but definitely in the lighter style so if you were to opt for a 5% or 10% alcohol content um, Shiraz mm. it would be on par with our plus and minus Shiraz I'm a fan of the Pinoir if you'd like, oh, okay. yeah, borders on the line of it's quite fruity. I like quite fruity, but um, definitely if you're a discovery drinker and you're looking for a non-alcoholic option and red hasn't exactly been your first, like would be your mm. first option and you want to get into red, especially coming into winter, definitely try the Pinot Noir. Oh, okay, perfect. No, I do love a Pinot Noir. I feel like they're just a slightly lighter. I l My boyfriend loves a heavy red, like he would rather have the heaviest darkest red possible and I'm always like mm, no I'd like something a little bit lighter so Absolutely. yeah no, I do love a Pinot Noir and Pinot Noir um, typically the grape is the highest um, in any oxidant content don't quote me on that I'm not <laughs> giving but um, if you do your research into it it has the highest levels of um, antioxidant it is, it is actually the better of the red wines for you oh perfect so it's basically healthy so it's fine <laughs> yes yes <laughs> underline that healthy word Yes, healthy, especially if there's no alcohol in it, then it's even healthier. <laughs> that is exactly right. What is your most me memorable moment that you've experienced during your wine journey? I know it's only short. And also, what's the winemaker's most memorable journey as well? So my most memorable journey, oh, I've probably came into the wine industry in terms of um, just as a wine drinker later in life. Yeah. I was not much of a drinker, actually. I think everyone experiences alcohol in their 17, 18-year-old, well, mm -hmm. 18, legal drinking age. And I touched it for a while, but then I didn't touch it again until I was 23. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so the zero out space was um, my life <laughs> for many, many years. And then um, I was introduced to red wine. My family, we live in, well, they live in the Hunter Valley region. So oh, wow. it's, yeah, it's everywhere. And I was introduced to red wine. And that was my first glass of red wine was probably my most memorable moment because it wasn't, oh, I'll just have a glass of red. It was um it was really a discovery. It was at a mm. nice sit down dinner where I was a complete red wine virgin, and I was able to experience what it did to food, what it did to like I hated olives. I never understood how people mm. could eat those salty, disgusting little green whatevers. And then I had a glass of red and just experienced a few different things. And now I probably eat more olives than <laughs> <laughs> than anything. Than anything. I was the same I feel like as well when you're the older you get the more your palate sort of changes I mean I first started drinking wine I think when I was around 22 I want to say I was never really into it always drank like a vodka soda or like a vodka cranberry or something disgusting like that (laughs) um or back in the day um but then I guess when I first got into wine I didn't really know anything about it and I didn't really appreciate it like I do now and I feel like when I was younger, I'd just order the house white, which was always a South Blanc, always that like super tropical, like fruity. I just, I can't even drink it anymore. Like it makes yeah. me feel sick because I just hate the super fruity whites, the, like yeah. super tropical notes. Then as the older I got, the more I started trying like different things and different wines. And even now I was saying before to someone, like I've always not been a fan of Chardonnay in the slightest. And just recently we went to orange and I ended up buying four bottles Yum, and then yep. so handpicked wine sent me a bottle of their Chardonnay and I tried it and I was like oh actually this is really nice I could have a glass of Chardonnay every night so I feel like yeah your palate definitely changes as you get older and you learn to appreciate different Absolutely. tastes as well definitely um I used to work on a travel show and I've traveled a lot of the world I've been very fortunate pre-covid and uh, just mm. tasting wines from all over the world, especially um, like in the Tuscan regions and in Florence, oh, wow. in Italy, like um, oh, like <laughs> you, if you ever get the opportunity to go, or have been before, uh, the Chianti regions will blow your mind. And just the it's the quality, the passion, the love that goes into this winemaking. It's just it. It is ridiculous. Uh, one of the most amazing things I've wine is such a, um, I guess like it's not this instant gratification that, that I think it gets poisoned with a lot of the time. Everyone's mm. like, oh, just drink wine to get drunk, or like it, it has a connotation of that. Um, yeah, I'm not denoting wine. I love wine, obviously, um, <laughs> but when you really go into it, like wine, there are some wines that a, for example, a Rapasso is a Shiraz vintage that they keep the wine for a year and then they pour it over the next year's vintage, like the next year's grape skins, and then that's what creates that wine. And then, for example, it could be cellared for 20 years. Like wine, uh, it's such a, um, it's well, especially in Italy, like it's it's a traditional, it's respected, it's, um, oh, I guess like a ritualistic process with these families and some of these bottles that they bring out and share have literally waited 25 years to see the light of day. Which is crazy. I find that absolutely incredible. Like they've just yeah been sitting on these bottles and then they bring them out and they're absolutely amazing. But then they can't really ever recreate that because, yeah, yeah so I guess it's crazy. 25 no, years love... down the line, maybe. Yeah. yeah. The vines could be 
200 300 years old so exactly and then with all the environmental changes and I guess like one winemaker might want to sit on something for 25 years but the next one in the family might not so it's amazing it's um and I think that is the most memorable thing for me working Mm. in wine you just like it is a whole world um that you can go down the rabbit hole and explore it just like you would any other like medicine it is it is (laughs) it is the medicine of wine Oh my gosh, definitely. Like now, since I've been, I guess I've only started really appreciating it properly in the last year, I'd say like really like instead of just drinking it to drink something. And I would love to go and travel and try loads of different wines and go to loads of different regions. We were meant to go to Tuscany um, last September. My friend was meant to get married there. Um, COVID happened. So that did not go ahead, (laughs) Um, which is annoying because I would have loved to go and go to all the wine regions around there but I'll just have to fingers crossed when the borders open but for now I guess Australia there's so many wine regions in Australia and I've actually really enjoyed exploring more of those so I guess in this time I'll just have to explore more of Australia we are an untapped um like I I don't think in Australia we realize how big our wines are overseas like when you go to Italy and whatnot like they know like Australia for our wine and for those um like hundreds of thousands of year old like family wineries to have an awareness of who we are as a region in terms of like a wine industry that just blew my mind yeah it's crazy and what was the winemaker's most memorable moment I think for him it's just his it would be his creativity is insane like yes um, I think in the wine industry, like there there are so many new wines that come out all the time. And in order to continue to differentiate yourself from the rest of the market, Mm. you have to have, you just have to think outside the box. And um, he thinks outside the box, he will come to us with the most wacky of or (laughs) sidelined ideas. And you're just like, okay, so how do we do this? Like, how do we make this happen? Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like especially because as the non-alcoholic space is growing so quickly and so much, I've heard that there's quite a few larger vineyards or larger wineries that are actually bringing out non-alcoholic wine, but under a different name. So I feel like everyone's trying to jump on board, but not have it associated with their brand. So it would be so hard to kind of stay above the pack and keep creating something that's different enough for people to want to stick with it look everyone's going to like what they like and plus and minus like it it was created because we saw that there was a need for this inclusive nature in the wine experience and um plus and minus has been in creation for a long time and we we are so grateful for how it's been welcomed into the industry now and um yeah but trust me we have noticed so many more popping up because As I said before, we like to try them and it will continue to innovate. People will continue to figure out new ways to do things, which is great because it keeps us competitive and it's great for consumers because as a consumer myself, we want the best. We want the best of the best. Yeah, we welcome the competition and it it just normalizes the space too. Like zero alk is still something where everyone's like, oh, like it's kind of that. It's like a new trend that the early innovators are taking on. They're like, yeah, we'll give this Mm. a go. But it's not just, it's not common conversation just yet. So the more people that uptake the wines and the more people that create the non-alcoholic wines, it just, it just creates a larger demographic where it's just more accepted 
Yeah, no, exactly. And then I guess, yeah, if it's more, if it's around more and if you go to a bottle shop and next to your alcohol, sit next to your rosés, there's non-alcoholic rosés sitting there. I feel like if they're all together in the same space, people are more likely to try them and be like, oh, maybe I should get a bottle of this instead of a bottle of what I would normally get. So yes, I think as soon as they start to merge them together into the same space, but obviously still keep them separate but have them sitting next to each other. I think more people will start to be like, oh, I might give this a try. Yeah, absolutely. And having them in bottle shops, like that for me, just like I was like cheering. I was like, this is so great because a bottle shop you obviously go into and everything is alcoholic. Like there is no alternative option. But Mm. if we're giving people an alternative option in a space where you should just be like, this is what you're here for and this is what you've got, like it's – um. It's just, it's changing the conversation around alcohol and that's all we want. Yeah, no, exactly. And people love to have an option as well. I think if the option's there, people will take it. But obviously if the option isn't there in a bottle shop and there's only alcohol in a bottle shop, then they're obviously that's all they're going to go for. Because I feel like places like Craft Zero, which are, which is a non-alcoholic website, Yes. In order to go to that website, you would have had to have heard about it or be interested in it already to kind of know to take that step. Absolutely. And look, the craziest thing about it is like the questions that we get in office is, can I still get drunk off your wine? And, and I'm like, well, <laughs> like no, it's, it's a non No, not really. Wine, but like, and people are just curious about taste. Like COVID kind of did a number on everyone and they're like, mm. we kind of got really conscious about what we're spending our money on and how we're spending our time and to go out and buy something with that fear of not actually liking it. Like yes. that also is something like a thing for people too. So I guess like it's taking that leap of faith and being like, right, I'm going to give this a try. Like the best thing to do is to get some friends together, like do your own little tasting, go on your own little adventure with it. But yeah. I feel like that's the same as well with um the comeback of boxed wine. I feel like boxed wine as well is having such a big moment at the moment. Um, and it's sort of one of those things where you people are like, oh, but what if I don't like it? Like it's a two liter box of wine. So I kind of feel, yes. yeah, it's one of those things that you would get with your friends. And do you think there'll be any non-alcoholic brands that will move into the box wine space as well? That's a really good question. Maybe, um, especially with um, some of the bigger wineries and bigger corporate groups moving into mm. the zero out, like alcohol space. They have the resources <laughs> and the ability to do so and to test those markets. But for us, like how we saw plus and minus is like, We wanted to offer that premium feel because at the end of the day, when you're buying a zero alcohol wine, as much as you're doing it for the zero alcohol option, like in your glass, you're doing it for the experience. And by purchasing a beautiful bottle that you can put on the table and share with friends that has the same look and aesthetic as wine, it contributes to that experience. I personally can't say that I would be taking a box wine and sitting it on the middle of the <laughs> table um, for my friends to enjoy on a yes. like over for dinner but um it, it's all like it's as much as it's about what is in the bottle and what is in your glass it's it's the whole entire experience it's from purchase to finish and that that's just what we wanted to do we wanted to create the wine experience outside of the bottle too is there a specific like area or winery where the wines are made or are the grapes sourced from lots of different places 
Um, the grapes are obviously Australian grapes. Um, yes. We source them from various places, but we have a sh- very, very strong belief in sustainability and sourcing yes. from sustainable sources. So we tend to track down um, these providers, especially like our winemaker that we have, the vineyards that we source from currently. So we will use those grapes. But if there is a time where we have to source from elsewhere, like we're firm believers in sustainability and like the best use of water and how it's stored and how it's done and the grape management too. So it is Australian grapes. comes from a little bit of everywhere, mainly South Australia. But yeah, so, but with a firm grasp on sustainability. I actually love that because I feel like, yes, if you're into non-alcoholic wine because of the health and everything like that, then sustainability is like the next step sort of thing. Absolutely. Don't worry. They call me the office tree climber. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. That's amazing. Do you, plus and minus isn't organic, is it? Organic is such a complicated space in the wine yeah. industry. Yeah. Like, so in terms of organic as a label, it's not, but in terms of like the rigorous kind of list of things the grapes have to tick before we um, use them to us, like, yeah, I'd love to say they're yeah. organic, but they're not, but it's as sustainable as we can get without as you can jumping them, through yeah. that biggest hoop. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's, um, I do believe that is the way the industry is moving too. Like, the, People are opting for organic and biodynamic wines. And even just going back to basics, like the, the artisan wines. Um, like, yes. yeah. So all of, I think what COVID has kind of done for us is, yeah, we've kind of gone back to basics. We don't want all the nonsense. We just want the good stuff. Yeah. No, definitely all the good stuff and nothing else. Yes. Yeah, none, um, none of that COVID things. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, but talking about COVID a little bit, what do you think the wine industry will see more or less of in 2021? Ooh, the wine industry in 2021, I think, mm. is going to be quite, it's experienced phenomenal growth, I think, across the board. I do believe people are seeing, well, having more of an interest in wine, where it comes from. Um, and as you said yourself, the past year for you, you've really deep dived into wine mm. and everything around it. Natural wines, even though all wine yeah. is natural, but that natural approach to wines, organic, biodynamic and sustainable initiatives like the generations moving through now, especially coming into the discovery of wine. We're very aware that our planet uh, is in dire need of some help. And if there yeah. are brands and especially the wine industry that works on the land. And it's this whole process. It's like this beautiful cycle. If we can choose brands that are doing something good for the environment, we, it's just a, look, it's just a handoff. It's like they go hand in hand, the wine industry and um, I guess environmental sustainability and regeneration. So that definitely is a space I think will grow. And the zero alk space I think yes I think that is um I think it's here to stay I don't think it's a trend or a fleeting moment I think the zero hour mm. space um is a conversation that will be had forever yeah no I definitely agree I feel like in the past it's been a bit of a trend because people it's kind of like come and gone but this is the most I've ever heard about it and it just seems to be growing and getting bigger and even having low alcoholic wines which is becoming more of a thing as well so yeah I just feel like it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger I definitely don't think it's going away anytime soon Definitely. I believe that like we as the people, we're just demanding more for our health and we're becoming more aware like <laughs> the internet is a, it is the library of the world and there is yes. so much information out there. And the more we research into 
what things can do for our bodies and health and um, wellness, ultimately the zero X space lends itself to it so perfectly. So people will continue to choose better or choose balance, everything in moderation. We're not saying don't drink, obviously. Um, yeah. I love, I absolutely love wine, but by having the option, it just it, it gives me a choice. Yes, definitely. It's all about um, choice. Just going slightly off topic because you touched on natural wine and natural wine is a whole nother topic in itself. Um, <laughs> yes. What are your thoughts on natural wine? Because I guess I've I've tried some natural wines and I absolutely have loved them. But then I've been, I think people call it being burnt by them. And then I've had others where I've just been like, oh my gosh, what is this? I wish I hadn't bought it. I wish I just bought a bottle of normal wine with me. Are you a lover or are you not a fan of natural? Oh, um, I, I know that's a hard wines. one. No, Sorry. no, 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 it's <laughs> not a hard one. So look, one of my favorite, most favorite, favorite wines is a biodynamic kind of natural wine but all wine essentially is natural wine it's just what happens afterwards that gives it like its different um, name or puts it in its different categories so natural wine essentially is it's like it's farmed organically it's biodynamic like it's farmed using permaculture um, no mm-hmm. additives or processing aids are used it's that minimal intervention process yeah. Um, so the less you touch it, the more natural, I guess, people can align it in their minds. But look, ultimately, like organic wines, organic wines can be positioned as better for you. But at the end of the day, farming them organically doesn't mean that something along the line in the process differentiates from like a wine that isn't farmed organically, but doesn't add anything after the barreling process yeah. so you've really got to do your research but um natural wines for me one of my f- most favorite delicious yummy wines i'm even getting excited thinking about it at <laughs> 10 a.m um is a biodynamic wine um but then again i have wines that i love that are not um organic but they're just beautiful wines what's the name of the biodynamic one that's your favorite Oh, so I have, there's a winery out in the Hunter Valley. It's called Crinklewood. Yes, it's a beautiful, um, beautiful winery. Um, you should definitely visit it. So they have a beautiful red. Actually, I'll have to send you a bottle. Um, <laughs> and there's a brand called Farmhand. Yes, I've heard of that brand before, I'm yes. pretty sure. So Farmhand is an organic brand and they have a premium range. Um, but by premium, it's still cheap in my eyes. Um, it's $20 wine. Um, but yeah. they have a premium Sangiovese, which oh, wow. is yes, um, which is organic, um, minimal intervention, beautiful, beautiful wine. And it's you know those wines that you open, you're like, oh, just have a glass, and you put the rest in the decanter, and then all of a sudden you look yeah. at it and you're like, uh, where'd it go? Oh, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's gone. <laughs> but, but it doesn't feel heavy, and you don't. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I can only speak from personal experience. I'm not a very big person, so I have one glass of wine and that tends to be me <laughs> done. But truly, yeah, um, the Farmhand Sangiovese and the Crinkle Woods are beautiful wine. No, I definitely feel that because with organic wine, I don't know why, but I always wake up if I've had like a whole bottle with a friend or a couple of friends, I always wake up and don't have that like sluggish feeling sometimes in the morning if I've had a couple of glasses of wine it takes me a little longer to get out of bed and there is sort of more of that sluggish feeling but um my friend and I a couple of weeks ago we opened a bottle of an organic semi-on 
Yes. From the Hunter Valley as well. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember the name of the winery, um, but it was so good. And we were like, oh, we'll just have one glass. Literally 20 minutes later, I'm like, the bottle is gone. Yeah, no, look, at the, um, if you are looking for help, like a health and wellness option, like there's so many brands out there that I do kind of doing the little things. Like um, there's a brand called Hero of Zero that mm. has no preservatives in it. It's, it completely removes its 220. So that helps with like the... If you're someone who gets nasally, I have lots of friends that get like a blocked nose with the sulfites yes. and whatnot. The like the Hero of Zero is great, and look, I think wineries are doing themselves an injustice if they aren't looking into these options now. As it is a growing space, like people people want personalized wine. It's as is it is yeah. as if the wine has been created for them because it serves them um, and their body makeup. So well, I'll have to find out what wine that was. That was it a Tambourine? No, I've no. been to Tambourine before. It wasn't oh. a Tambourine. I'll find mm. out and I'll email you because then yeah. we both tried to find the bottle online and we can't find it <laughs> anywhere. It anyway, yeah. And I messaged the winery and they didn't get back to me. And I was like, because it was a 2016, someone bought it for my birthday. And I was like, oh, I don't normally drink white. I'll just open this. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I'd saved it. But then I'm happy <laughs> I drank it. But now I can't find the bottle. <laughs> like uh, the worst. The battle, isn't it? It's the, yeah. do, I, do I sell it or do I drink it now? And I think, look, I think everybody battles with that at some point. Mm. The trick is to buy doubles, drink one yes. now. Two of everything. Yes. What are all the winemakers that I've had on that I've like spoken to them about this? They're all just like, just drink it. They're just like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's more about the memory that the wine evokes and the memory that you have from that wine than saving it for five, six years and then opening it and not. It's like, just drink it. She's like, what's the point in saving it for? a special occasion that might not even happen she was like if you're having a occasion and it's the right time to drink it just drink it and absolutely I was like, That's such a good point thank you yes and especially with covid being very present in our lives now mm. i think that um and like people experiencing wedding cancellations and whatnot like you don't if the event that you might be saving that wine for might not happen. So, A question for the winemaker. Were they always interested in the non-alcoholic wine industry or did they see themselves making non-alcoholic wine when they first started their journey? Now, this is just me going on a whim, um, yes. just in conversations. I don't think the zero alcohol space was in the forefront of the winemaker's mind um, up until the past couple of years because okay. essentially when you think about wine, you think about wine, like wine hasn't ever been known as anything else. And now it has the extra um, label of a zero alcohol mm. wine. And because it is like, it's when you think about wine, I think about it as like your grandmother's recipe book that's been handed down generations and generations. So wine has been handed down from like the ancient Roman times. It is something mm. that connects us to our history. So um, changing it, and making a zero alcohol wine, um, to my knowledge, it wasn't something that was discussed until there become a real conversation around health and wellness and yeah. creating that inclusive um, experience and not, and look, to be honest, in business and whatnot, you ultimately want to create for your consumers. And we place a lot of our um, creation on we create things to suit our consumers because ultimately what I want might not be what 40% of the people who enjoy our wines want. So we really, yeah. really listen. And then 
he takes that all on board and I don't know what goes on in his head, that <laughs> manic, crazy, creative, chaotic mind. But um, he does it. we do it for the people. It's more about the people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think when you do it for the people, instead of doing it, to, I guess, obviously also doing it to make money, but when you're doing it for the people and what they want and listening to what they want, then I feel like that's more likely to work and be successful than just doing it to make money. Absolutely. And I, that's why there hasn't been a mass production. That's why mm. I like I run out, I, I work <laughs> here and I wasn't able to get any. It was yeah. made for the people, for the consumer and we listen to the feedback and we're curious and we want to know what they want, what they need and why um, this wine, yeah. how, how we can add benefit to their life and the wine experience. So it's a beautiful space to be in. Oh my gosh, definitely. Um, So plus and minus, I did look online, but for the listeners who haven't heard of the brand before, what dials of wine are in the collection? Um, so the plus and minus range. Um, so it's a contemporary range of South Australian wine. So as I said mm -hmm. before, our grapes are typically South Australian. It was developed to be richer in antioxidants, so better for you. And then we take the alcohol out. So they've been handmade without the use of any artificial sweeteners, um, grape skin extract used during the winemaking process. And so we've kind of tried to create like a range of what you would typically see in a wine range. So the Blanc de Blancs. Yeah. which is um, a vibrant nose of citrus and apple. And it's this, as you know, it's this bubbly, it's the bubbles that you take to a barbecue, introduce your friends and you're like, hey, try this wine. And then you wait for them to start acting a bit giggly and fun. And you're like, yeah, no alcohol in it. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and a Pinot Grigio, I, I believe the Pinot Grigio is, I don't typically drink white, but for me, I was like, I couldn't believe the Pinot Grigio actually was an alcoholic. Um, oh wow yeah um we have a rosé um the rosé is fairly new um and then mm. we have a pinot noir and a shiraz so we kind of cater to we kind of do that top to bottom each varietal to suit the varietals drinker yeah is there plans to launch any other styles we have been talking about it um and at the same time that comes down to the consumer so we're just yeah to be honest we're just listening we're loving the feedback on what consumers want and what they need um in that zero alcohol space and at the same time a lot of other winemakers are coming in and creating there was a sparkling Shiraz that I haven't tried so oh, I can't wow. comment on its taste but like little things are popping up so we find that we do the Blanc de Blancs really well so we'll probably focus on that area for a bit longer but yeah no it's one of those things like I'd love to I'd love a good Tempranillo um, oh my gosh, just, me too. yeah just as a red I think it's divine so I would love to see a zero alk Tempranillo yeah. or even maybe a blend, something just a little bit different. But then again, I'm not the winemaker. I could try, <laughs> but I don't know whether it would be palatable. But no, I'm just a test dummy. I, I'm yes. A, yeah. I mean, I would be more than happy to do that job. So that sounds amazing. <laughs> no worries. We'll just have a we'll just have a taste day. Oh my God, that would be great. <laughs> I would love that. Um, As well, because when you were saying about the sparkling red, I absolutely love a sparkling red. I'm like, that sounds amazing. So if you're going down that route, even better. Yes. Well, um, look, this I can't say too much, but there no. is something developing um, in the sparkling type bubbly space. We're working on it, especially with me jumping up and down. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm the consumer. Give it to me. No. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Look, it, it's it's a developing space. So many more things are happening, and we're seeing it with spirits and 
yes. all this crazy stuff. So no, um, amazing that it's it's a changing space, a growing space, and I'm so excited for it. I know, me too. I yeah, I'm so interested. As soon as I heard all about it and tried, yeah, when I tried it a few years ago, it just I was like meh, whatever. But when I tried the plus and minus Blanc de Blanc, and I was like, wow. I need to know more about this. I need to know how this is made. I need to know everything about it because it's amazing. So absolutely. Yeah. What, in your opinion, goes into a successful wine brand marketing campaign? So wine marketing. Wine marketing is so, uh, it can be tricky. Obviously, yes. when you're um, advertising alcohol and even advertising zero alcohol, what makes a good wine marketing campaign, I think, is just to know your consumer and to also, yeah, put yourself in the shoes of your consumer and to really know your, like, your product and what it stands for. And honestly, in a space that is so saturated, um, especially yeah. with digital media, um, social media and all that type of stuff being like what we use predominantly now, especially like post-COVID in the mix of mm. still kind of COVID, is just to be authentic um, and to stand for something and to, I guess, to be personable. I think one of the things I found um, working in this space is that I just want people to feel I'm listening and I genuinely care about what they have to say yeah. and that I will take what they say and implement it in some way into how I create a campaign around that. I think the wine industry, like it's so big in Australia that we have so much potential to do some great things for this country. Um, especially like yeah. you, you would have seen it with the brands that are aligning with a, um, like a purpose, like purposeful marketing. For example, like the little giant range is a, um, wires platinum sponsor and they do so much with supporting little very cute guys. Do you know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah. for a successful wine marketing campaign, it's not just about the wine. It's about the people. It's about a cause and it's about what we can do to change the conversation around wine in the Australian industry. My last episode was actually with the Hidden Sea Wine and they're all about for every bottle you consume, they'll remove 10 plastic bottles from the world's ocean. And I was saying to them, I think people really like sort of knowing that when they buy a bottle of wine, they're actually doing good as well at the same time and they're actually doing something for the planet or, yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of a, a nice extra. Yeah, and it's um, and I think that's even just in the wine industry, going out and just to general corporate spaces. I'm a big believer mm. in corporate so social responsibility. And if we have the ability and like the capacity to change something or be a part of a change or have a ripple effect somewhere in Australia or in the world, uh, we should take that opportunity grasp do something whilst drinking wine it's like the perfect yes. handoff yeah absolutely oh my God, like, definitely no I feel like yes that space is another space that's growing like sort of having that initiative behind wine I've seen quite a couple quite a few wine brands have that initiative and I feel like that's another growing space that's happening as well so it's lots of exciting things yeah and look wine like when you think about it we wouldn't have wine if we didn't have the vines and the land mm. and whatnot. So I think a big thing, um, like previously said, a movement in the wine industry would is the organic and regenerative farming and realizing that if we look after our land and um, and we do the right thing by it with regeneration and environmental standards, we're improving the quality of the grapes and the wine, which mm. essentially is a trickle down into our consumers' glasses and it does better for them too. So it's every little thing can 
creates such a big change and that's lends it to like the saturated space there's so many new mm. wineries or like wines yes. or new things coming out that um in order to stand out you want to have good product and delicious wine but it, you also want to would like well want to stand for something i know it sounds so cheesy but to be able to change <laughs> someone's life in some way or their experience yeah. in some way that that's enough for me it, i don't care if it's one person or 10,000 mm. people it it's um it's just that transactional thing that kind of happens in this space that's just beautiful yeah no i agree even the changing one person and that person could go off and influence like 10 other people and then they could influence it's like always a trickle down effect so even yeah. influencing one person is great absolutely what we kind of touched on it a little bit but what wines are you drinking right now the wines i'm drinking right now would be any i love a tempranillo as i've yeah. just said before on the weekend i did have a wine i'm loving malbec at the moment too so um so I did do I did try the little giant Malbec on the weekend and it was mm. very delicious um and I actually I don't drink white typically drink white but I did go out to Margan Winery out at Broke um to have a little bit of an explore and they mm. brought out a Semillon and 2015 Semillon and oh, wow. it, yes and it was divine I was actually gobsmacked I was like this is phenomenal and delicious but look my go-to wines if I am going to have a wine are either the plus or minus bubbles if I'm not drinking um, because yes. it's delicious and if I am drinking look I'd say anything more amazing about the farmhand Sangiovese it is it flies under the radar but once you have it you're like oh I have to have more <laughs> I'll try yeah look I try anything and when I do find something that I really like and that works for my body I tend to stick to it because I never feel yucky afterwards or I don't um, get that refluxy effect and yeah. it just pairs so well with a range of foods and it's organic minimal intervention wine so I feel like I'm and farmhand actually sponsor carbonate which is a regenerative um, agriculture group that actually okay. work, work with transitioning farmers from traditional farming methods to regenerative and for me I'm just like it keeps ticking boxes so I'm a massive mm. fan of the farmhand but look um, try all the wines there's more wines than there is days <laughs> yes um, definitely so, yeah so just explore because it's the same thing as going shopping to find a favorite outfit mm. but to try it on before you buy it and then once you do it kind of um yeah you find your groove and it changes over time that actually leads into our next question what's your favorite food and wine pairing food and wine is my jam um or your top three we could do a top three if you want because okay. that's easier if no because then i'd get too complicated so my favorite 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 food and wine pairing would definitely have to be anything mushroom like yes. it could be a mushroom risotto or eggplant um i mm. love an eggplant parmigiana and those really strong tomato um, full dishes mm. um, with nightshade vegetables and a good shiraz um oh yes that sounds perfect yes or a um i had a my most recent dish was eggplant, a miso eggplant dish with a 0.65, so it's Tamburlaine's Premium Organic Rage, the 2016 mm. Malbec. I was very happy. So a Malbec and Parmigiana and eggplant Parmigiana or miso eggplant and, yes. or a Shiraz. Like, yeah, that would have to be it. If I go anywhere and there's eggplant on the menu, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I love eggplant as well. My boyfriend really does not like it so it's one of those things where if he's out I can have it but no I really love it as well it's amazing and also mushrooms I am a 
big big fan of mushrooms anything yes. with mushrooms and I'm like yes <laughs> yeah it just ticks all the boxes it's um it's a go-to yeah so favorite pairing would definitely be a mushroom or a plant in some type of tomato dish or miso miso is a kind of growing yeah. trend um, with a really nice Shiraz or Malbec at the moment that would be it perfect that sounds amazing I'm like right what am I gonna have for dinner I'm actually going yeah, out for dinner tonight but what am I gonna oh have for dinner gosh, tomorrow stop, I need yes. this to happen <laughs> oh, we'll <laughs> no, try it. It's, yeah or if you are doing the zero alk like for me I know this sounds wild but I love <laughs> the blanc de blancs with um, watermelon feta and mint Ooh, a ve- or a vegan good yeah or a vegan like a, you can make it into a salad or like into little hors d'oeuvres or like if or cashew cheese that sounds amazing actually because yeah the blanc de blanc is just so, so fresh and light and refreshing that it, I yes. feel like it would work so well with those flavors and the bubbles cut through kind of like the creamy finish of the cashew mm. um cheese and then the watermelon and the mint is the fresh element so it just it's Honestly, like if you can just treat wine like an orchestrated um, flavor party in your mouth, you will look yeah. at it completely differently. This is actually great because you're the first person who hasn't bought, who hasn't given a meat dish. You're the first person to give a vegetarian or vegan dish, which I think actually works so well with the non-alcoholic wine and that sort of space. So it's yes. perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't eat meat. I don't eat anything I own. Um, yes I grew up with lots of farm animals so I just couldn't do it but um mm. yeah look every dish that I do do is it's mainly vegan or vegetarian and um and wine has such a like a great positioning with vegan dishes and I think that is also a growing um area too where people the wine industry is moving towards um predominantly vegan yeah like options because they've figured out that they don't necessarily need animal products to um filter the wine anymore like they can use pea protein and Mm. all those amazing things so look that's another place that it's going so from the plus and minus collection which would you take to a a dinner party b a barbecue and c bring out for a movie night at home Ooh, i know this um, is a hard question (laughs) um the barbecue i think i would do the blanc de blanc i think it's a great like it's a great thing to start on bubbles is always a really great drink to start on and it's also really good to gauge um, your friend's reactions if you don't introduce it as a zero alcohol wine yes um so look it's really great market research for me i'd love to hear what you all think what was the next one a dinner party dinner party yes oh i think i'd take the shiraz um, yes. A dinner party, I see a lot of people kind of like it's usually whoever's cooking has actually gone to a lot of effort. So the meals will be quite, I wouldn't say exquisite, but like there'd be like usually there'd be some type of meat dish with some beautiful yeah. sides. And I think the Shiraz would lend itself to um, like a like a variety of things. So definitely the Shiraz. And for a movie night at home, probably the Pinot. I'm the, I'm a Pinot fan. Um, it depends yes. too. If it's winter, probably the Pinot Noir. But if it was like just an afternoon um, in summer, come inside from the heat, probably pour a glass of the rosé. Oh yes, I do. I am a big, big fan of rosé. <laughs> yes. So I. So that's a hard one. It, but yeah. So that's um, that's seasonal. So winter time, snuggled on the lounge with some chalky. Um, yeah. and all the bad stuff that you shouldn't eat but we're going to eat it anyway um mm-hmm. the pinot noir but if it's just an afternoon um get out of the heat wine i'd definitely pour a rosé perfect and um, what are the price points as well for all of the different styles um so they're around the 15 dollar mark 
Um, The look, it can vary depending on where you're purchasing from. But yeah, definitely around that $15 mark. Perfect. So it's affordable as well, which is even better. Yeah, well, look, at the end, that's what we love most. It needs to be achievable Mm. for everyone, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you for joining me today. It's You're been so interesting. I've learned so much. It's such a new and exciting space. So to even learn anything about it is amazing. Um, and I've loved getting to know more about the non-alcoholic wine industry. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. I really, um, really appreciate it. It's, um, it's a growing industry and it's so warming to know that people are curious especially people like yourself and that want to share um, what we're doing it's yeah it's really humbling thank you thank you so much for listening please rate review subscribe and share with your friends i'll see you next week for another closer look into the wine industry now go and grab that glass of wine you deserve it 